our mission, and we choose to accept it, is zero injuries and zero environmental impact. A healthy workforce and environment is key to our nation's continued success. The Mission Zero podcast is a deep dive with the industry's top experts into the health, safety and environmental aspects of today's workplace. Our mission is to be a platform for new ideas and strategies that, when implemented, will improve our safety, our environment and how we govern out business. We are making the world safer and we're going to have fun doing it. We're ready when you're ready. Go, go ahead. I'm recording. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Welcome, everyone, back to a new episode of the Mission Zero podcast. Um, today is our third part of our series on human trafficking, um, with the purpose of uh, aware- bringing awareness to the seriousness of the human trafficking issue in the world. Um, Through these uh, podcasts, I've been inviting guests who are brave enough to tell their stories. And uh, today, my guest is Nakia Vestal. I hope I got that name right. You did. You did. I was nervous about that. I was like, where does the emphasis go? I didn't want to be nervous. But uh, I I welcome you and thank you for the courage to come speak with me about this and to be open about it. That's amazing. And, you know, it's been amazing to uh, the, you know, Dominique, who I met with as well. So, I applaud you very much on it, and 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 thank you for that. And um, I'd like, basically, I'd like to start with a little bit about your past, where you're from, um, where you grew up, and um, kind of how you got here in Houston. Okay. Well, um, I'm Nikia Vestal, and I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. Well, I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. I grew up in Knoxville, East Tennessee. Um, after high school, um, I went to Atlanta. Well, my mom put me out, so um, went to Atlanta, Georgia. And what age? At 17. Okay. Yeah. Stole a car. <laughs> Stole a car. Went to Atlanta um, at the age of 17. And that's kind of where the um, the serious trafficking like began. Even though I was I was trafficking in Knoxville, Tennessee. I was as like 16 and 17, but we didn't call it trafficking back then. We didn't know. Um, we didn't. We, there wasn't. They, the name wasn't called trafficking. But um, I was involved in prostitution when I was in high school. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how did you end up in Houston? Oh, God, that's a long story. Um, in Atlanta, a lot of the group of guys that I ran with, they were all either like dope boys, drug dealers. That's what we call them. That's what a dope boy is. Drug dealers or like pimps, hustlers. Um, and everybody around me was getting locked up or going to jail. And um, I just got really into church and, you know, my faith running from God. I didn't want to in Atlanta. I didn't. I started to separate from everybody and I kind of lost my identity. So that's what brought me to Houston. I wasn't even really trying to be in Houston. I was trying to go to L.A. And one of my old roommates from Atlanta, she from Beaumont and she moved back to Beaumont. And I stopped to visit her on the way. And two months later, I'm pregnant with a baby. And what, what age was this? I was 27, 27. 26, turning 27. Yeah, I was 27. And I know I didn't want to go back to Atlanta. And um, that's what brought me to Houston. I was in Beaumont for about a year and a half, and it was just too slow and too country. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to come to the city. Yeah. Which is just a, it was just a bigger country town yeah. from compared to Atlanta. You yeah. Know? It's a little, it's a little less uh, cosmopolitan than yeah. Atlanta is. And I grew up in Georgia, but not in Atlanta, but mm-hmm. the rural part of Georgia. But yeah. Uh, uh, and so how long have you been in Houston? I've been here 18 years. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. My goodness. That's Time flew. Longer than me. I've, I'm, I think I'm on my 10th or so year. So, uh, yeah. well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good place to, um, you know, succeed, I'd I, say. I came here, but for the purpose to sell my body, <laughs> you know, like I, I had a, my, my son was not even one yet when I came here and I knew how I could easily make money, you know, so that was the purpose of me coming to Houston. Yeah. But it was different from Georgia because in Atlanta, the money, you got way more money. And then you came here and the girls made no money. And so it was like, what is this? So I had no choice but to like, you know, kind of boss up and become independent. Okay. Well, let's, uh, if you don't mind, let's let's kind of uh, dive in a little bit on your uh, the origin of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, can you <clears throat> first of all, uh, how old were you when the uh, the trafficking began or the grooming began? And can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, so, with my story, is I was molested as a child from the age three and up. Now, when I was nine, that was when the man was like probably mid to the late thirties. So that's that's when I lost. I will say my innocence was at nine years old, and that's when I became hypersexual as a child as a teenager um by the time I was like 14 and 15 years old I just wanted to run away from home and go dance on Soul Train or um be a stripper or post for Playboy magazine be careful you're dating yourself I know <laughs> I'm telling you <laughs> like it's, I, I know <laughs> but it's crazy how after that I saw nothing but sex sex everything on TV sex was what was in my head and that's what I wanted to it wasn't like oh no it's like that's what I thought I wanted to do so when I was in high school by the time I was 16 years old I was like already the little dope boys on the other side of town I was charging them money like for sex what what um what what age was it? What, what, like sixteen. Sixteen. Mm-hmm. Was there um, after that? So did you find your own way into this, or was this was someone? I, I found my own way, but there were people there along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was seventeen years old, I was seen, I was a senior in high school, and at by then I already was like, I know I'm gonna, I want to go to California. I want to post for Playboy. I want to be a stripper. I um, got you know like there's like the back page magazines, those little local. Sleazy magazines that each town has. Yeah, I'd never heard of it until Dominique. Yeah, me so um, me and my best friend, when we were in high school, we found a little that little magazine you see, and there was a number for escort service. Mm. And I called that number on the escort service. And um, a guy responded back. It was an older white man, probably in his, I would say, early 50s. Mm. And um, I met up with him. And that was kind of like the first time I... There was no penetration involved, even though it was some sexual acts. But that was kind of the first time that I felt like dirty and disgusted. He didn't force me, but I did it. And that was kind of the first time that I just, after that, it was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I was ruined after that. And there were one of my step cousins in Tennessee he had a friend who played in the NFL so he would come back to Tennessee Knoxville to visit his family and I hooked up with him and one of his friends who played in the league and I was 17 yeah yeah I did yeah 
Okay. But he paid me. I mean, yeah. it, we, it was sexual. That was the whole thing. And But we didn't know it was, you know, it, he, he knew my age and he knew I was in high school and, you know, but I, I didn't know it was like trafficking or any, you know, I didn't know. There was no, like I said, there was no name to it. Yeah. And I wasn't forced. It wasn't a gun to my head, yeah. but it was still wrong. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's taking advantage of innocence. And, yeah. you know, and even though it's, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, by physical force or by threat, mm-hmm. uh, as we see in a lot of cases. Um, but this, you know, it can be that way as well. It's just older older guys taking advantage of impressionable young people right. uh, and, and girls. But you, you mentioned the um, <clears throat> the hypersexuality point. I, you know, I've since I've start, gotten into this and, and, and joined the fight against it, mm-hmm. I've read a lot and mm-hmm. I've tried to get educated as much as possible in psychology and things like that. That is common. Yeah. That is that is not an unusual thing. That kind of that's kind of what happens. It becomes, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I remember exactly what it said, but yeah, it's a common reaction. It it happens. It's a it's a it's like a um, gosh, what is the word I'm trying to re, I'm grasping for here? But it, it's a, it's a common reaction. It's what it's what happens. It's it's a, it's a way to dealing with the problem is to run run it more and do it more, mm-hmm. and so that's why it hap- That's what happens to you women who are. Molested at a very young age. Yeah, and I think you're crying out for attention. Yeah, but the wrong kind of attention. Sure. Um, like now, I can imagine having a child now, and you have Instagram and all in social media. Back then, we had like Yo MTV Raps, and we had MTV and VH1 and BT. But I would see the videos, and I would see the girls in the videos, and that's what I want to do. I want to go in. You know, that's what I wanted. That was our like kind of way of it was. Like or we had like magazines and stuff, but now it's it's so sad now because you can just open up your phone and it's just right there. Yeah. Was there any time, uh, or I guess at any point, was there anyone in your life that was trying to bring you away from the lifestyle, or was it? No. When I was a senior in high school, my English teacher told me, and I know she was talking to me because of the way I would dress and. Oh, gosh, it was crazy. But she was like, some of you don't need to go to college. You know, there's the oldest profession in the world. You'll make $75,000 a year. Prostitution is An what English she... English teacher. Mm-hmm. Because I failed all my... Or teacher. Yeah. Sorry. I, she probably was no. frustrated. And I can't blame her, but she probably was frustrated because she, she didn't know that I was molested. She didn't know. She just knew I was overly... I would come to school half naked and just overly sexual and I failed all my tests and I didn't study and I didn't so she probably didn't but that was the wrong thing to say but when she said 75,000 I was like that's a lot of money that's what I need to do yeah yeah um yeah I've learned a little bit about that as well you know people you don't when someone's behavior may be erratic it may be um, detrimental to you, and it may be detrimental to them. And there's might be, there may be a good reason. There may be there may be trauma that's uh, in their life. I, I know it came up with me personally, and I'm not comparing it to uh, the trauma you uh, mm-hmm. experienced. But last you know last year I was extremely sick, and um, <clears throat> I couldn't be the joyful, happy person I was. And I know sometimes I was uh, grumpy mm-hmm. and it was kind of maybe snappy to people. And I'm sitting there going, you know, people don't know what I'm going through. And how many people have I come across and that were, you know, terrible to me or, or their behavior seemed erratic or, or some type of wild behavior? And, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> young young women 
if there if if it's if there's a lot of sexuality involved in a in a young woman, I mean, I'd say the chances are greater than not that something's terribly wrong with uh, the men in her life. Yeah, yeah. At, in at some level, I mean, I'm not saying that all because that would be making accusations to innocent men out mm-hmm. there. But uh, a lot of times that would be the case. So this brings us up to uh, you as a 17 uh, year old. You're still in Knoxville at the time. Yeah, I was still in Knoxville. I was still in high school. Okay, still in high school in Knoxville. It's not that big of a place, is it? Knoxville's very small. Yeah. But it's a lot of things that happen in their very small place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did. We, we discussed that, too, is that, you know, trafficking is actually easier in certain rural areas. Mm-hmm. I, I was talking with Ken um, from uh, the coalition, yeah. uh, and uh, he was telling me that. I was a little bit surprised to, to, to hear that as well. But uh, so 17, how did you, did that when you got to Atlanta? Yeah, I went to Atlanta. Well, my mom put me out right after high school, and I don't blame her. I was, I was rebellious, but I mean, my mom had mental problems, and I just never was she, was she aware of what was going on with you. Was she aware of the? No, my mom was clueless. My mom was in her own world, and she was just a miserable, not a miserable person, but just very unhappy with her life and her situation. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was, I just didn't feel the love or the encouragement or the positivity it was everything was always negative or i look like a slut or I act like a slut or this or that and did she had substance abuse problems no but she was on medication for mental illness like bipolar okay. medication so okay. she was when she came home you, kn- you just never know what you were going to get you know yeah yeah, it, yeah it, so, and your father was never... No, my dad was off married to someone else and didn't think twice about us. I have I had a stepfather who tried. He tried, he tried, but it was too late because he married my mom at 14. Yeah. When I was 14, he came in way too late. He tried, but... The no. damage was done. Damage was done. Yeah. yeah. So, at the time, you were, you were graduate high school, and what happens after high school? After high school, um, I just wanted to go out and party and club. And so me and my sister actually snuck out one night and we had we've been sneaking out like since I was 15. We've been sneaking out, going to adult clubs, lying about our age saying we were 21. And that particular night, my mom, we came home and the screens are on the windows and she's like, you're not coming back in here. And I was like, fine, I'm not I don't want to go back anyways. I'm going to California. You know, my mind, I want to go to California. But I told my sister, you have two more years of high school left. So you go back home and. Just try to whatever, just go back and graduate, you know. What was the reason for Cal- well, why California? Soul Train. <laughs> really? I'm telling you, uh, since I was five years old, I wanted to dance on Soul Train. Wow. And I almost had the opportunity. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll tell you, but I almost had the opportunity. I stand for R. Kelly as well. I'm on that Surviving R. Kelly Part 4 documentary. Yeah. I, I saw that. Yeah, Part 4. I had okay. a purple, purple dress on, so. Okay. Yeah. Did you have an encounter with him? Or? No, the, the crazy thing was he didn't treat me like that. Like, How old I, were you? I was 18. I was 18. I was a stripper. So when I, when I, at 17, when I left and me and some girls from the other side of town. So I lived like in a middle-class neighborhood because of my, my mom remarried my stepfather who kind of, you know, he worked, had a nice little job. Um, but I would cling to like the girls from like the projects and stuff, like the girls in the rough side of town. Why? I don't know, because they were just, they they didn't pretend, 
who they were. They were sexual and they were hustlers and they were all about, yeah, just. And they didn't hold you accountable. They didn't hold me accountable. And yeah. they were, it, yeah. It's easy. Bring it was around. easy. And they just magnified everything that I wanted to do and be. And so when my mom put me out, I went and stayed in the projects for like a week with nothing. Like I, I had nothing. So basically I had to go in the store and steal underwear and deodorant and toothpaste. And, and these girls, that's what they did, you know. So we um, we had went out because we party. We would go to clubs partying. We saw this guy. We walked to the gas station, and there was a guy who was trying to pick us up. Um, and he had a baby, a car seat in his car. And we were like, yeah, go in the stores and get us beer. I'm 17. He go in the store, and we take off in his car. Yeah, so that's how we got to Atlanta. <laughs> it's crazy. You took the car to Atlanta? We took the car. Wait, I thought he had a, you said he had a car seat. He had a baby, baby. car, not, not oh, the baby okay. in the car, Ooh. just the car seat. So I feel bad like, for whoever be, he was. Maybe you shouldn't be saying this. No, you. no, it was a car seat, but yeah. he had no business trying to buy beer for us young girls. He yeah. thought he was going to get some action. So what, you just drove to Atlanta and drove We drove to Atlanta, and the minute we got to Atlanta, we crashed the car. We She ran into the back of somebody. <laughs> it was crazy. But yeah, so we... Atlanta was crazy. So I'm 17 in Atlanta, mm. just living day by day, going to clubs, meeting celebrities. I met Tupac, yeah. <laughs> um, meeting different rappers because Atlanta was known for Atlanta's like Black Hollywood. So even though I was in the streets, I was kind of like inching toward my dream at the same time. Um the girl who I initially went with, she ended up going back home. So when I was there by myself, that's when the craziness started. Like, I ended up meeting a guy um, who let me live with him, who kind of became my boyfriend. But he didn't pimp me or anything, but he was very abusive and he sold drugs. And we got into a really bad fight one night and he put me out and I was out on the streets. And that's when I met a pimp, like a for real pimp. Uh, okay, so that's kind of where I was about to ask. Yeah. So, uh, did did the boyfriend at the time? Did he? Did, were you were you still involved in prostitution or no? With my boyfriend, no. Because I no, I wasn't. Okay. I, yeah, I thought okay, he was a nice, he was a young, nice looking guy. He let me live with him. It was good, you know. In the beginning, it's always fun and cute and everything, and then it goes to crap. But um, got into a fight because I was very violent as well. Not only was I hypersexual, I was very violent. I was very like throw glass. I was just harm myself, um, self harm. Um, so it was it was very volatile. It was crazy. Okay. Yeah, he thought I was crazy. <laughs> so you you you're you're you fight with him. You get you get kicked out of there or whatever. I don't know. What, I get kicked out of there. Um, and then you met. Yeah. So I called one of my one of my guy friends from Tennessee who was a barber. He came and he picked me up. And we went eight, and then he left me at the Waffle House. He was like, I was like, can I just come sleep on your couch? And he was like, I'm staying with somebody. You can't stay here, blah, blah, blah. And he just left me there at the Waffle House. And then it's probably 10 o'clock at night, and then a pimp pulls up in a Cadillac, a four-door Cadillac. And I think it, it was one girl in the back seat. No, it was, it was one girl in the front seat and two girls in the back seat already. And they had like their lingerie on. So I already knew what time it was, you know. And he was like, hey, who are you? Do you want to, you know, we come stay with us. We got a place for you to stay. And I was just like, okay. Because it was either I do that or I go lay, find somewhere to lay my head for the night. So I'm, he took us to a strip club called Nikki's. It was like a popular strip club back then. 
And then after we left the strip club, we went back to his place, back to their place, their house. And they gave me a place to stay. I could wash up. Um, they gave me some clothes. Um, the next morning when we woke up, he was like, hey, I'm going to take you. Let's go get our nails and toes done. And we're going to go eat breakfast. And I was this like, was the, the guy or one of the girls? This was the pimp. Oh, the, this one, was the guy. The guy. Yeah. This was the guy. And I was like, okay. And he seemed like, I mean, I knew he was a pimp, but he wasn't like, a, he didn't yell or force or scream or any of that. But I knew, okay, it's cool. Everything's, you know, we got our nails. He took me to get my nails and my toes done and took me to get something to eat. And then after that, and he was like, okay, now we're going to go make some money. And then I was like, oh my God, what, what, like, what are we doing? Like, because usually I was my own kind of, I was renegade. So even at 17, I was my own kind of boss or my own kind of, and to have somebody like do that, I was like, that's when it reality hit. And then he drove us to these really sleazy, like they were like little bungalow motels, like individual little houses that he drove us to and he got each of us rooms or whatever. And I remember thinking like, oh my God, like, I don't want to do this. Like, I'm just praying in my head, like, Lord, like, I don't want to do this. I'm scared as shit. Like, I don't want to do this. And I remember when the first car pulls up, we all had to stand outside our individual doors. It was like, like say bungalows here on each side and there's a driveway. And of course, I'm the new face. I'm fresh meat. So the first guy who pulls up, he's like, I want her. He points to me. And I'm thinking like, oh, my God, I don't want to do this. Like, Lord, like I'm scared. I'm like, I'm praying. And then like, I don't want I don't know what to do. I can't run. I can't I, I don't know where to go. So the guy comes in the room and you know what? It goes down, you know, but he does have a rubber. It goes down. And I was just thinking like, Lord, I don't want. I'm, in my head, I'm like, Lord, like, I don't want to be here. The next car that pulls up is another car that's pulling up and he points at me and I look behind his car and there was Atlanta police department and I run out and I'm like, help me, help me, help me. That saved me right there. That saved really? me. Yeah. Did, um, I mean, did you not face retribution from them? For no, that? I never, I didn't want to see him again. I didn't want to run into them again. He, he scared me. So this was the same night? Yeah. No, no, no. This was the second night. The first second. night I met him, he took us to like a strip club. Oh, okay. This was the second night. I mean, it wasn't even night. It was day because during the day we woke up, we got our nails done, and then we went to eat lunch. So this was probably like two in the afternoon. So what happened in your life after that night? Oh, God. I went back to the boyfriend. The back to the boyfriend who we had a volatile relationship. I went back and that probably lasted about a month. And then the same thing happened again. But this time um, I stole his money and his gold watches and his VCR. The VC, we had VCRs back then. And I took his car keys and I threw them in the pool. And I went and got me a little motel. And from there, that's when I was kind of really on my own in Atlanta. And I would go to like strip clubs and catch dates or tricks or whatever and did that for a few weeks and then I started dancing I started dancing in Atlanta I started dancing at a strip club yeah yeah and the, the pimps were coming at me because they would hang out they would come up there and especially when when you're when it's over they're all outside like I'll take you home or you come stay with me I'll hook you up blah 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 I'll take care of you yeah no bro really yeah is, it, is that a is that a typical thing or is that just at certain strip clubs? I, I don't know, but this one, but I did have another encounter before with that pimp. I did meet another pimp 
Mm-hmm. Who, a wannabe pimp who tried to put a gun in my head like he put a gun on me but I was able to get away from him too thank God there was this was like right when I first started dancing and he was like you can come stay with me and I didn't even think he was a pimp I just thought he was some little cute guy and he was happy to have a pretty girl there and whatever take what, care of you yeah it's always the it's always I'm gonna take care of yeah. you and I know I didn't I wasn't having sex with him so I, I just wanted to you know I would even give you money like if you just let me sleep on your couch and then one night he was like, either you're going to give me some or I'm going to take it or you're going to give me your money. And I was like, I'm not giving you nothing. And then he pulls out his gun. He has like a big, it looked like it was like an AK-47. And he pulls out his gun on me. And that was. That is an amazing fear, isn't it? Oh, God. I, I slept on the couch. He slept in his room. I slept on the couch. And the next morning when he woke up. He left and he was like, I'll be back. He better not go nowhere, you know. So out of fear, I'm, I'm froze. I'm paralyzed. Like, I'm still there. I, I could have left. But I'm the fear, when he came back, he opened that door. There was a male lady behind him. And I ran out, help me, help me, help me. So I was able, you know, and I, I went to somebody's apartment in the complex and I um, called the police and the police came. And that's what helped me. Like they got me out of that situation. And I, the, the guy would, the same guy would come back, that little same wannabe pimp guy. But by then, the managers at the strip club they protected me. Okay. Yeah. So why are you? So how long did you stay at the strip club? Like I was there for three weeks, and then I met R. Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. So what? So okay. What was the exact situation with R. Kelly? Well, actually. Um, one of my family members met him before me, uh-huh. and I can't say her name because she Don't. doesn't. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, she met him before me in Tennessee, in Knoxville, Tennessee. And then she calls me and she's like, hey, I met him and he wants to fly me to Chicago. And I'm like, well, tell him that I'm coming with you. Mm. So she came to Atlanta. She caught the bus, the Greyhound, because it's only like three hours from Knoxville to Atlanta. Yeah. She caught the Greyhound bus. And he's like, yeah, bring her. And he flew us that same night to Chicago and... I met him and he was cool. Like he was the coolest guy. Like he never, he, all these stories. I, I can't, I can't, I'm not going to say the girls are lying or the girls are making this up or the girls, but that's just not the R Kelly that I knew or Rob. We called him Rob. That's not the Rob I knew. He didn't force anybody. He fed like, he took me out the strip. I was like, he took me out the strip club. So I kind of, I, I respected him in the fact that, I'm getting actually paid to do what I love doing. I, I love dancing. I'm a natural dancer. Mm. I'm getting paid to do what I love doing and a lot of money, you know, and I'm not, I don't have to take my clothes off anymore, you know? So he was crazy. He, he, he was, he was crazy in the sense of an artist. Any artist is crazy. Like there's a thin line between san- sanity and insanity when you're so, an artist. So many of them are suicidal as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I saw that. So I choose to, when I saw that, because I was like, he reminds me of my mom, you know, so I chose to keep my distance from him and kept it professional. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So how long were you in Chicago? I was in Chicago for, let's see, I went there in November of 1994 and I did the 94 Music Billboard Award show. That's what I went up there to rehearse because, okay, so when we went to Chicago, he took us out. We went out dancing and whatever, him and my, you know, family member. And then he was like, girl, you could dance. You know, he was like, I'm going to bring you on tour with me. I thought he was like BSing. And he did. When I got back to Atlanta, he called me. He was like, hey, I want you to do the 94 Billboard Award show. I'm going to fly you up here. And he did. And I was, he was like, my manager's going to call you, get your information. So, and then I remember my first night up there and went to the studio and he was like, if you need anything, let me know. You know, I'm, 
Anything you need, let me know. It was he was very nice, you know. So. How long was this going on? Um, so I danced November, December, January. I danced for three months with him because I even did the European twelve play tour. Like we went to Europe. Like he's okay. the first one we went to. So there was no any kind of prostitution or anything going on during this time? Not during this time. Um when tour was over, he did call me though, because he knew I was a stripper. Um he did call me, I would say probably it was probably April of ninety five and or maybe March of ninety five. And um he called me and he was like, Hey, and I was like, Hey, he was like, You used to be a stripper, right? And I was like, Yeah. He was like, Can you give me like six girls to come dance for me? I was like, Yeah. Because when I went back home, the, all the girls knew I danced for him. So I was popular in the clubs with everybody. And I was like, Yeah, I can call some girls up. And he was like, Oh, you know what? I changed my mind. How about you come dance for me and I'll pay you for all six girls? But I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Mm, I was like, you're my boss. And he's like, we're not working right now. I ain't your boss right now. But I didn't do it. Good. Good. And so after this point in your life, did you you go back to it? I I didn't go back to stripping, but I went back to prostituting. Yeah. Was that on your own or was that? That was was on my own. But you would meet guys and maybe they didn't know they were traffickers or maybe they didn't consider themselves as such yeah didn't consider but i never had like a gorilla pimp or my pimps were like romeo pimps they were like my boyfriend and what is a gorilla pimp a gorilla pimp is somebody who will beat the crap out of you okay who will beat who puts fear in you a romeo pimp is like a boyfriend he's your boyfriend and but he's okay with you sleeping with other men for money isn't that how the grooming starts yeah Yeah. They pretend to be your boyfriend, and then next thing you know, yeah, I kind of got the story from David Reed. You know, it's it's um, you know, pretend to be your boyfriend, get you comfortable, and take you out to nice dinners and such. And then the next thing you know, we might not make the rent. Do you mind doing this? And that's kind of how it starts. Is that similar to? Is that something? Well, you Well, mine's were more of me. That was just what I did as a profession, and they were okay with it. You know. So you clearly you're not my boyfriend and you clearly don't love me if you're okay with me going out sleeping with somebody else. It wasn't until, um, let's say, 96, I'm trying to see, 97, 98. That's when I met my real traffickers. I was trafficking on the international level. I was going to Nigeria. I was going to Paris. I was working at Bernini, this upscale men's clothing store. But my goal was to meet a rich man. So that's why I'm going to go work at a wealthy men's clothing store. Is this Atlanta? Yeah, this is okay. Atlanta. Okay. It was called Bernini. It was at Atlanta Airport. It used to be an upscale men's. It was at Lenox Mall, and they had one at um, Atlanta Airport called Bernini. And they sold, like, Canali suits and Coogee sweaters and Everything was like six thousand. Attracting rich men. Yeah, so that was That's my the only people in there. Yeah, and that that was what I was going to go do was meet a rich man, so, and I ended up meeting two Nigerian guys, um, rich Nigerian guys who one brought me back to Nigeria. And these were traffickers. At the time, I didn't know they were traffickers. Mm. They were just like, "Hey, we can bring you back to Nigeria. We can introduce you to." Let me tell you, there was an American guy who introduced me to those Nigerian guys. He was the trafficker. Yeah. It was an American guy. He was like, hey, I can make you a lot of money. I have these Nigerian guys in town. They're wealthy. He was the trafficker. So you go back, you go to Nigeria. Well, at first I go to London. Oh, okay. I go Sorry. to London. I'm skipping your story. No, no. I go to, because one of the guys did like me. And I just, it was all about money. I didn't give a shit. 
him. It was just a money thing, but he liked me. He took me to London. And from there, I ended up meeting a very wealthy, wealthy guy. I mean, Bentley with a driver, like penthouse, like stuff you see on TV. And that guy is the one who took me to Nigeria. But it wasn't trafficking. It was more so as being his girlfriend or yeah, or the girlfriend experience, I'm thinking. So I, I, it probably was trafficking. I don't know, like, say back then, we didn't call it trafficking. We just, you know, I'm just going to go get some money. Well, I get because I think you probably had the same misconception in your own mind that a lot of people do, that trafficking necessarily involves violence or threats of violence. It yeah. doesn't. You yeah. know, some people can have horrible experience with violence, like uh, Dominique did. Uh, but I think more often than not, there's not a whole lot of violence. There's a lot of psychological chaos going right. on there War, psychological warfare on on young women who essentially have been let down by everyone in their life right uh so i, I hear that from you and i realize that um that's the, that's the same thing with dominique there was nobody right who came through for her right there was nobody that did and 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 it sounds kind of uh, you know maybe your mother cared maybe she didn't have the ability to properly care because of her mental condition and and that's you know that's tough, and, yeah. that's, and that's but that's a reality that we have to face. And you know, some people are dealing with that type of thing, and it makes them uh, an ill-equipped parent because uh, all it takes is sex to make a child, right? You don't need to have a you don't need to pass a cognitive test or anything like that to have right. a child, right? And right. so, it, you know, it, it seemed to be the same issues as that. You know, again, no one no one cared, no one reached out, no one said, "Hey, um, you didn't have an angel." To save you, you know. So, uh, so you get to Nigeria. Um, how long were you there? I was there probably for probably a few weeks, but I was going back and forth. I was going so back and were forth. Were you were you actually, you know, prostituting there, or was it just with, with the guys that you went with? I mean, it was just the guy that I was with, but I mean, I really didn't like him. So you yeah. can say <laughs> it is what it is when yeah. you. Or just dating somebody just to get money, you're a prostitute. It's not like that's not sugarcoated because I yeah. sugarcoated it for years, you know. But it was basically for the money. Yeah. yeah. So you said you would when you said the, that's when the real traffickers would who would so what I mean that? like that's when like I'm sorry my my nose is like you know, tissue. tissue. Yes, please. Okay. I, I have like a little sinus. I'll get him to edit it down. Sinus infection going on. He probably hears it. <laughs> he probably heard you say that. I may have something in my first. Let me see if I got. Yeah, that's yeah. Just yeah, that's fine. I'll make sure I. Thank you. I'm sorry. I had to. Yeah. Okay. You go your nose on YouTube. Yeah, I figured he probably heard it, so he was already up looking. Yeah, <laughs> but I would say, um, I would say the high end trafficking because in Atlanta, I still was like going to the strip club and hooking up with guys like NFL guys because they were like the biggest paying tricks there were, and they they're not gonna beat you, they're not gonna, they have too much to lose. So that was safe. That was safe for me was the NFL, the sports guys. Because, you know, and the sports guys and, like, the, the, the high-end guys, because they have too much to lose. Why were they paying for it, though? I think it was just the culture 
I mean, I, I had a, I, I lived in Arizona for a while, and I had, had a football uh, friend, and I'm not going to tell their name. Yeah. But they didn't, their behavior was typical of 20 something year olds. It was not what you're describing. Yeah. I mean, they went out and partied, but they were, I would say they were on the, certainly the right side of good, right? And so, um, you know, they, they lived in the hookup lifestyle a little yeah. bit, but, um, they went out and it wasn't necessary to pay. I mean, the women were just throwing themselves at them. So why, why is it a power thing? Why I, do they pay? It, it could have been, or it could have been just that guy, that, that, what, that guy, there's always that trick, you know, there's always, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just calling it like it yeah. is. There's trick. There's always a trick out here. There's always waiting somebody to get got. That's what we would say. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I knew what to wear. I knew what, like I say, this is, I've, this is me in my early twenties, just from the age of nine, just my crap it just got bigger and my skills just got, you know, I knew how to seduce and I knew how to be seductive and I knew how to manipulate. Manipulate. Yeah. I was very manipulative. I knew how to manipulate to get what I wanted. I think the word I heard is uh, gosh, I, it, never mind. There was a word for it that I heard someone use one time. Finessing. Yeah. Finessing. That's what the word I know how to finesse. So, okay. So at this point in your life, is it, um, you know, the, you, do you go back to Atlanta? Is that where you're? I'm in Atlanta. I'm living okay. in Atlanta at this, at this time in my life. Yeah. So is there any, is there a pimp involved at that time or are you just doing, you're just kind of on your own? I'm on my own because I, 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 there was a bunch of pimps in Atlanta and there was a bunch of pimps that wanted me to come and be their bottom girl. Like these pimps lived in like big three story houses. I, I'm not doing that. I would go eat with them, have barbecues with them. I'm not, I don't want a man pimping me, but I hung with him. Yeah. Yeah. They never tried to force you into they it? They never forced me into it. Why was that? Because, I, I mean, and le- I guess unless movies and things are off on that. I, I think it doesn't if, seem if like that, they let women get away with there that. Are, there are girls that are forced into it. I was just a tough cookie. Like, I knew that I didn't, I didn't want a man controlling me. I didn't want a man controlling my money, controlling my body. Because that one night that I had with that pimp scared the crap out of me that one it's, i did not want that when the gun was pulling on you yeah mm-hmm. that even even the, the one with the motel the sleazy bungalow motel thing i knew i didn't want this is the thing i didn't want to be a street hoe yeah. and those kind of pimps are like the street hoe pimps sure. i didn't want to be a street hoe i want to be like that escort high-end pimp. escort yeah so i mean you're in your early 20s uh, so how long did this part of your life last i mean it lasted a long time um so um when i was 22 years old let's say from yeah from 16 to 22 um i started going to church because i was doing a lot of x pills at that time like we were doing x pills like that was the the drug right there and cocaine too um i started going to church and just at at 22 yeah 22 i I mean I, i i grew up in the church but i just I found one particular church and I just, I think the X pills just started eating at the serotonin that was in my brain. And I just went into a state of depression. Like I felt completely empty, like empty and nothing made me happy. Not the money, not the clothes, not the lifestyle, not the fancy things. So I started going to church and I, I got saved at 22. I gave my life to Christ at 22 years old and I got into the Bible. I mean, it didn't, it didn't last long. You know, because I didn't have a skill. I didn't have um, the education to take care of myself. So I went back to the only thing I knew. So when did you, I mean, I guess my, I would, I, what I'm getting at is what, what was the, when did this end? Like, it, or how did it end? Oh, God, it ended here in Houston. 
Okay, so you got all the way well, to Houston. It, yeah, it ended in Atlanta. It ended in Atlanta. But I I went, I worked like a regular job where I was making like $11 an hour. And I ended up getting evicted from my place. And it just. It, Were you ever arrested? No, I was you never. never had a record. I was never arrested for prostitution. I hid under the radar. I had a. Um, and I had another guy. And I guess he was a trafficker. I, like I didn't know it was a trafficker, but he owned the independent record label in Atlanta. He made a lot of money, but he was a drug. He was a big time drug dealer. Like he, he big time. So he would introduce me to his people. He would introduce me to his like Mexican connect. I would supply girls to the Mexican connect. Like this guy was bringing bricks in on prostitute prostitutes or are I mean dancers? we we dancers uh, da- dancers who would sell their body so mm-hmm. pretty much w- whatever it was regular girls who wasn't dancers she could be a school teacher but she's selling her body yeah. anybody who want to get some money I remember my sister telling me please hook me up I'm like no you're not I'm not getting you involved in this no see she had someone that cared yeah I mean I care for my sister on a couple of times because I remembered that that when I was nine and the guy that molested me, he was like in his mid-30s or whatever. My sister went to use in the bathroom and he was going in after my sister in my little nine-year-old body. I'm like, ow. Like I stopped. No. Does is that is that guy when um is that a family member? He was You don't have to tell me anything. He was the babysitter's older brother. And the babysitter was I know it's gonna sound crazy. My stepdad's brother's girlfriend. She probably was like twenty one and she left. She was supposed to watch us and she left us with him. Yeah. And he was drinking beer all day, like oh so what brought you to i mean i guess in houston what happened why why did you i guess when was your revelation mm, how goodness. did you how did you escape it oh god i got tired it wasn't a moment it was i would stop and i would start i would stop and i would go back i, I was tired i was tired in atlanta but i didn't have a skill or the education i think when i came here i met a guy who I consider, he was my trick, but he was my boyfriend trick, you know. Um, it was it started out kind of as a Romeo kind of pimp thing, and he kind of, he did fall in love with me, and he told me to stop. Because I remember one day I was like, if you love me so much, why do you keep, why do you want me to do this, or why are you letting me do this? And he was like, well, stop. And then I, I stopped, and I got, I went to school. I enrolled and no, I got a job. I started working at a um, at a wig store in River Oaks. Yeah. And he was like, "Hey," because he was a like, "Wig store in River Oaks." Yeah, called Cabela like Boutique. That sounds. I mean, but it was like it was it was nice. We were in River Oaks Shopping Center. Yeah. It was the first time I felt like I felt proud to. I, I was only making like I think twelve dollars an hour, but I didn't care. I I was in a fancy area. I was proud, like I, you know. Yeah, to those listening, River Oaks is the exclusive neighborhood. Oh yeah, it's exclusive, and yeah. I was the manager. Like the guy made me the manager of of the wig store, and it gave me like that was that was a start for me. So you had independence, and you had self reliance, and all the things that uh, you know. I guess in the recovery homes, we that's the part of the development process, right? Yeah. So I, that's what I was trying to focus on, or trying to focus on is vocation, right? Yeah, uh, because. You know, um, yours is a, is is a, a story, but it's not uh, it's not as violent as some people. It's not right. as abusive as some people, and and for that, I'm I'm happy for you. Right. You know, because it's it's tough to it's tough to face the real hard violence and and to come out of that because that abuse 
That trauma never goes away. Even though it's violent, I'm going to tell you what the hardest thing is. Because right now you have girls on Instagram that don't think they're prostitutes and you are a prostitute. If you are sleeping with a man for shoes, a bag, to pay your rent, to pay your bills, to support your lifestyle, you are a prostitute. Yeah. That's the scariest thing. And that's that's what I was. And it's the biggest deception. There doesn't seem to be, there seems to be a, a serious drop in the the idea that it's wrong like they don't see it as uh as a, as, a, as something that they shouldn't be doing because you're not on bisonette or you're not on what airline and you're not you're not walking the streets but you're in a high end hotel you have a sugar daddy and it's glorified yeah it's the same can i say shit <laughs> yeah it's the same shit yeah it's just when you're high end it's sugar coated yeah it's gold it, Lipstick gold and pig. diamonds and but it's the same and that's why i'm i was no better than that girl because you're still you're selling your body you're selling your soul and after you finish that you still feel empty but those girls a lot of them have pimps and they're on drugs and their vice is what makes them feel better is drugs not for me what made me feel better was buying things buying shiny things because i'm gonna tell you remember i told you when i was 17 and i called an ad in a paper and there was a guy who had an escort service and he was an older like man and middle-aged white man. And it was no penetration, but it was some activity. And he gave me $40 after that. And I felt disgusted after he ejaculated, yeah. gave me $40. And I felt disgusted. Like, oh my God. Like, ugh. I felt like that nine-year-old girl again on the inside. Yeah. And I remember I went home and my mom, we went to Walmart that evening and I bought a watch for $40 with that $40 and it made me feel better. It took that dirtiness away. That was when the corruption began because I know if I keep doing this and I, I buy shiny things, I can cover up how I really feel. And that was me. I was the girl with all the shiny things. All the I had a guy buy me a Benz paid for a Rolex. I mean... But You're too young to realize it was costing you your dignity. It was costing me my dignity. It was costing me my soul. My soul. It chips away at your soul. So was your final recovery, was it religious-based or uh, was it? Uh, both. 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 It was yeah. both. It, when, when did you, I guess, uh, when did you find, how old were you when you finally ended it? I mean, oh finally God. escaped. Even when I, like say, I, I went back to cosmetology school in 2015 in my late 30s. I'm 46 now. I went back to cosmetology See how school. I asked that without asking it. That's a special skill. You can't ask a lady how old she is. Yeah, it, I try to get. I was try, I try to figure out a timeline here. That's and I fine. Didn't know I, I work you. out. I take care of myself. <laughs> I look good. I look like nothing I've been through. I've been through the fire, yeah. and I look like nothing I've been through. And that's only the grace of God because yeah. He's here to. Like, there's okay in in this human trafficking walk. There's so many girls with so many different stories. It's so wide. I'm here to help the girls that are living in deception that don't think they're prostitutes a different level a different level mm -hmm. and it's scary because it's harder to get out of because you're not being beat on and you're not made to walk the streets and you're not getting you know you're not giving all your money to this pimp and you, you're keeping all your money and you're thinking oh nobody nobody knows and you're I'm just an independent woman i'm just an independent woman and i'm still going to church and i'm still pretending and i'm still faking out here and it's just it just chips away at you and no, no amount of material things the amount of money nothing can like heal that you know? how do you deal um and this is uh i, I guess a broad, broad question i'm trying to figure out a perfect way to answer ask it but uh 
you know, moving forward, you're now a business owner. Mm-hmm. You're now, uh, you, you know, like we were talking earlier. I mean, you've ever been on CNBC, CNBC, yes, and uh, for for the things you've accomplished and what you're doing. And and I want to get, I want you to tell a little bit about that in a minute. But I, my, but first, my question is, you know, I, I and I'm get, I'm guessing here, and I'm imagining that there has to be episodes where you think back and the shame creeps in or the embarrassment creeps in. How do you deal with that? I'm going to tell you one thing. Every time, like, you know, there's so many organizations out here that have the galas and you go talk, They, you know, you go talk about your story. That's where I met you. Met me. Mm. And every time you take that walk of shame, every single time, even though you're not out of it, but you have people looking at you like, oh, she's a victim. Oh, is she? you take that walk of shame, but it's okay. Because it's something that Dominique, told me um and it's like when jesus says take up your cross and follow me mm-hmm. that's i'm taking up my cross that's the courage that i have because i'm still taking that walk of shame you still take that to say i'm a prostitute because now they put a fancy term human trafficking on it but a prostitute was a, a very low person you know you're considered the lowest of the low you know so you still in society you're considered the lowest of the low so like a, a crackhead or like you're just considered gutter, you yeah. know. So you still take that. You still have that that scarlet letter. You remember the book? I love yeah. reading, but the scarlet letter. You carry that scarlet letter on you, but I carry it now with um with instead of shame, it has become my super cape. You know, my 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 hero cape because I want to go help girls and and women and boys too because boys. Men go through this just as much. There's boys out here that are that are being molested and raped, and and the percentage of it being boys is growing substantially. It's, it's growing, and it's been like this. It's yeah. been like this. They just didn't talk about it. Yeah. But now it's boys in your are face. More of it, and I'm gonna tell you, and I, I know people. You may not. You may. Um, people gonna come at me after this. But that's why we have these boys that want to be girls now, and they put wigs on, and they put lipstick, and they put dresses on. That's why we have so many transsexuals out here now. And I'm sorry I'm saying this, but it's true. It's an agenda. It's true. These are boys that have been molested when they were kids. And, and their identity, so? yeah, I do. And their identity is stolen. You know, and it's, it's I, can, it, I can see it as a possibility for it, sure. It breaks my heart. It breaks mm-hmm. my heart. Like I I don't I don't judge them or or I have compassion for them because they're hurting just like us. It's a sickness. Yeah. It's a sickness. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, like same with 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 the other survivors I've met. The the re, the primary reason that you're so open about it is to help, mm-hmm. like to to help young women. And um, you know, I've seen the statistics. It's it's very important because you know I'm I'm interviewing three survivors in this eight part series. Mm-hmm. Three of the four are black women, mm-hmm. and these statistics bear out that. In, incredibly higher percentage of the victims of, for per population are young black girls, mm-hmm. and so that uh, you know getting to them it, it's tough. And 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 uh, you know sometimes I, I, I guess so far what I've seen is the common denominator is everybody lets them down. 
There is nobody to protect them. And, and I told people, I said, you don't understand how incredibly important it is to have parents that love you or even one parent that loved you and, yeah. and, and watched after you and cared or an uncle or an aunt or something. But, you know, listening to the Dominic story, listening to your story, it's just everybody in the world let you down. And that's tough. That is a that is a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. Even even when you're younger and you're not realizing how bad it is and how terrible it is, you're internalizing it. It's happening. You're re, you're realizing that no one's there. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and it just makes you your behavior easier, and it makes it it's just it spirals and and because there, there's nobody there. And but you you've made it out. You're helping people now, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is in that that that's honestly that the spirit y'all had. Is what made me do this, mm-hmm. and, and that, <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. th- it was that night. <laughs> yeah, it was that night. I was at the Red M table, and I was I was listening. I was watching, and I'm seeing the spirit. I'm like, these women been through hell and back, and they still are positive mindset. They're 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 very uh, um, their spirit is really good. So I was like, what's driving that? And 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 really seems to be the drive is to help help prevent it going forward in the future. And and to that, I think is wonderful. And and, and God bless you for that because there is no greater help than someone with a testimony, mm-hmm. right? That's the whole idea of Christianity is the testimony, right? That's mm-hmm. how you bring people to Christ, and that's how you bring young girls out of these situations, and that's awesome. But now, you're you now, and uh, you is a, is a successful businesswoman. So you went to cos- cosmetic school. I went to cosmetology, cosmetology school. Cosmetology, I apologize. Yeah, it's the same name, yeah. cosmetic, cosmetology. I went to cosmetology school. I did 1500 hours. <laughs> so and you should have a business now. Yeah, I have a business now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. can you a little bit about that? What's that? What's your um, I, it's called Dollmaker Lashes, and I do eyelash extensions. So I put like individual lashes on. I've seen that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also have my own brand of lash products that I okay. So, yeah. And what is it? Is it is it called Dollmaker? It's called Dollmaker Lashes. The pro- the, yeah, my, my product. So I have like the shampoo to clean your lashes. I have a line of the magnetic strips. I have strips. I have like the sleep mask to protect your extensions. Um, what else do I have? See, remember when you when you were saying you had no skill set? Yeah. You did. You're just using it for the wrong thing. I was using I was marking. I was using it for the wrong yeah, thing. You had, you had a, a very <laughs> independent and entrepreneurial skill set yeah. because it takes, I think, you know, I tell people I'm, I'm a year almost two years into a business of being completely on my own and mm-hmm. it's it's a lot it's and, a lot. and it's uh scary as hell and a lot of times and but uh but that's a good business to be in and you've been very successful you, are you do you have like is there more how where are you just in houston or i'm just in houston for now i mean my my goal is ultimately i want to i want my products in target or ulta or sephora or even walmart shoot mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah why don't you go on shark tank Mm, I know pe- people it? are saying what you're going to I'm not ready yet. I, I'm not ready for them. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm on the level of Shark Tank yet. Yeah. I, yeah. Not just yet. Not well, yet. I'm getting there. You know, if, if it, on that side of things, you know, having people with the distribution connections is, that's the key to growing yeah. a, a brand of a product like that, right? Yeah. That's a consumer product. And, and, uh, yeah, it would be great to see. You're starting to see, um, you know, more, um, Products like I, I was in, I think a Walgreens or something, and that was a full-on section of this things for, for, for multi-billion-dollar industry. Well, I mean, this was, but you never saw it specifically for black people, right? And now you're starting to see that, and yeah. it's like these are things that you know I know it's for black people because I didn't know what any of it was. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So I was like, okay, that's the whole. The, the, it's there now, and so to get into these. Places like that, that's when you really start to do well, that's make when, money, and yeah, it's a, it's a it's a big deal because 
you know, I've, I've talked to people in the, in the industry that are uh, serving black women and, and it, you know, your, your stuff you have to do is expensive and time consuming. And it's, it, but let me it, tell you, my, my customers are black, white, Asian, Hispanic. Yeah. I have women. Well, I just like, lashes, it's not yeah, hair. It's yeah. Also, it's, yeah. It's, it's not hair. It's the woman. same kind of lashes. Women just like to look pretty period. And I've seen it. I've seen the technology. It's basically you're gluing a individual extension on the individual eye eyelash mm-hmm. yeah. to make them longer. It's very tedious. It takes yeah. about an hour and a half just to do, just to do one person, just to do one person. I mean, I've, my skills are, I've been doing it for eight years, so I can finish like in an hour, but if it's, like volume i can do like an hour and 45 well that's awesome yeah that's awesome and and um is there a website for that or it's www.dollmakerlashes.com i love how your the tone of your picture your voice (laughs) when the pride and the giddiness yeah because i just remember like i i went to after i finished cosmetology school i was completely lost again Uh because i knew i I went to go work at great clips and i went to work at dry bar and i just did not want to be in a hair salon yeah period like it was hair just i didn't want to do it so i was completely lost again and then i went to your um European Wax Center, and I didn't get hired, and I went to Amazing Lash, and they hired me, and I got to train with, like, the original owner, with just me and one other girl. Like, now they train girls with, like, 15 girls in one room. I got to train, like, with one person, like... Where's your Where's your physical location? I'm on Harwin. I'm 7011 Harwin Drive, Suite 217. So I'm on the corner of Harwin and Savoy. And actually, I'm right next door to the cosmetology school that I went to. So I'm going to tell you how life works. Yeah. Because... This is like the best. This is the number one school in Houston for aesthetics. It's called ICE. Like it's a hidden gem. And they do like they do facials. They do massages. Like anybody can go get a facial massage. And the cosmetology program was in. It was okay. It was all right. But my teacher, like she taught me business. She taught me customer service. She was like, as long as you, she said, I don't care. You, you may not be the best person at cutting hair or doing whatever. She's a Puerto Rican lady. And she was like, but if you build your relationships, you remember the dog's name. You remember this and that. You got them you the people gonna be coming and they do me and my customers we're like i we're like this like so i'll give you a, an example of how that's <laughs> true that was done to me yeah not done it sounds <laughs> i went to a coffee shop in houston it was called the merchant and I, I know they got a new location but it was right beside my uh my building at the time and um i went in there and talked to the guy for and they and you know i told him I ended up telling him i was from georgia okay i go traveling internationally for three weeks for work or something and i come back and I go in there and I get my cortado. Mm-hmm. I get the cortado. There's a peach drawn in. You know how they do the top yeah. thing? Yeah. It was a peach. Yeah. I was like, okay, customer for life. Because that, that attention, yeah. You, right. It's the little things. It's the little things. It's and the so details. That's, that's awesome that you've, you got that down, Pat, because that's perfectly right. And then right. I know their personal business. They're not going anywhere. Well, <laughs> I, and, and also when I, when I make the, uh, when I do the social media for this, I'll, I'll, I'll put the uh, contact if you want people to have the ability to email you, if they have questions, if they have concerns or advice. And, mm-hmm. and, and so that leads me to, I guess, the the, uh, the final um, thing I'll ask you here is what um, – two, two things I ask. One mm-hmm. is um, what would you what advice would you give to young people to avoid it, to avoid this? And then what advice would you give to parents to be on the eye out for this? What are they looking for? How can they help it? Okay, uh, young people, please finish school. This is no life. This the prostitution trafficking. It's not. It's not glamorous at all. It looks like it 
glamorous because it's so glamorified on everything glamour rap glamour it's glamorified on tv pretty woman is what made me want to honestly watching julia roberts get with richard Gere, and that's what i wanted to do i was like i want to do that you know it's 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 false it's tv television yeah. it's not real i would say find out like what do you want to do and and pursue it with everything nothing worth having comes easy and the streets don't love nobody like to to even make it out i'm i'm a rare i'm i'm rare breed i'm rare people like women like me do not make it out or the ones that do they don't talk about it i have some friends that are married now and they don't they don't like they're to a shame or they don't want their husbands to know it's understandable yeah it's understandable but i know i'm 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 i'm, I'm a, i have a purpose and a mission i'm on i live my life on purpose i have a purpose out here like god gave me a mission and a purpose to go and go back and save girls and men and boys too and women um and parents please if your child is um if you notice a sudden change if they're overly sexual, a child should not be sexual at eight, nine, at any age whatsoever. They should not want to show, they should not want to wear crop tops or show their skin or wear makeup. Something's not right if they're overly sexual. Um, and, and just speak life into them and, and listen and talk to your child and ask them what their dreams and aspirations are. And it's their life. It's not your, I know you want the best for them, but it's their dreams. It's not your dream. It's their dream. And just support your children and just speak. I would say speak life into them because what you, what you speak into that child is what, what they grow to be. You know, if you always speak a negative, you'll never be nothing. I wish I never had you. You're nothing. This and that, that's that. Then you're going to feel like, okay, I'm nothing. Or if you're, constantly calling your child or you look like a slut or you act like a slut in my case i was like okay well that's what i'm gonna be i'm gonna be the best at it you know so yeah yeah, yeah that's one thing dominique said was she emphasized was communication mm-hmm. don't nothing's off limits right i talk about everything talk about sex from the time they're very young right and and, and i've seen studies that show that that method is much more uh successful than the Let's just don't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, and I grew up in a house school. We're not going to talk about Same it. Here. Yeah, Same here. Same here. That, that we never talked about it. And, yeah. and, and and I wasn't, that was just, I mean, they didn't know better. They, right. it, it didn't, it wasn't like, they were just simple country folks. Right. And, and it didn't, it didn't, uh, it wasn't bad parenting or just terrible people. They just didn't know better. And, right. and, that, and that's what we got is a lot of parents out here that don't know better. And, you know, I guess, I, I guess that's a call to people that don't have children or even if they do, yeah, look out for other people's children. Mm-hmm. You know, give you. You never know what just a little bit of. Hey, bud, you've got talent, or hey, sweetheart, you're going somewhere in this right. world. Don't ever forget it, and that right. might be the thing that saves them. Right. And so I, it's like always be 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 as kind to children because they're so impressionable. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I remember when I was young, people people would say to me that you know, I remember Johnny Die. He was a guy. He'd always tell me, "Boy, you're the smartest. You're the smartest one here. Mm-hmm. You you're ahead of everybody." Mm-hmm. That was when I was seven years old, and I n- never forgot that. And it meant something, you know. Yeah. So, but thank you so much for being brave and sharing your story. I know it's tough, and uh, and it's and it doesn't even seem tough, which is even more amazing to me. Uh, but uh, I know it's tough. But thank you, and thank you again. I appreciate your um, your help. You're, you're you're out there working to to. Um, to, to, to prevent this going forward and to try to settle it out going forward. So I, I admire you and thank you for coming on. And um, I wish you well in your business and I wish you well in your mission to help fight this scourge. Thank you. Thanks. We're done. That's it. Mm-hmm.
Hey. Ivan, thank oh, you what for a this. Minute and 20. We hope you enjoyed the show and accept the mission. Please subscribe to the Mission Zero podcast on your preferred streaming service and be sure to give us a five-star review.